Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm half your host team, JT, with Tom. Tom, how's it going? Hello, peoples. Going great, going great. Big, 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 big football weekend last weekend. Loved it, loved it. I I, I spent all day, 11 a.m. to about 11.30, and all I did was watch football. Deb was out of town, by the way. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. So this episode is entitled Bama Avoids the Chomp, and that, that is a, that's a good title, fitting title, and we'll talk about that game in depth because like I told Tom off the air, I had just a wonderful Monday today. It rained all the way to, or on and off, but when I got in the heart of Nashville, I had to go to Nashville today, and when I got 30 miles out to north of Nashville, it rained and sometimes flooded to where your wipers on fast still wasn't good enough. It was pathetic but a fitting monday but on the positive side i got to listen to a ton of talk radio so i've got a lot of thoughts and feelings on the on the bama florida game but i'll let you start with commentary then we'll get into our recap okay uh because i did <laughs> watch so much football this weekend as far as uh taking in a lot of games i saw a lot of interesting things out there one thing that is not a uh, secret to to anyone was the horrendous refereeing out there. And I know we'll we'll run into this a little bit later when we uh when we recap the Auburn Penn State game, but there were some egregious calls in that game. Egregious. One in particular that just I can't get over is the targeting call on the goal line. You 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 know the one I'm talking about, I suppose. Uh with Auburn? Yeah. You, you didn't you didn't like that? <laughs> oh, I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> but that is that is the worst call I think I've ever seen on the targeting field. That that was not a safety issue. He didn't even hit him helmet to helmet, but there's nothing he can do there. There's absolutely zero he can do there. You can give up a touchdown and not tackle the guy. Or you can do exactly what you did and tackle him with his shoulder. And I, I, I'm still flabbergasted on that. But that, that that's one that's just, oh, that just drives me up the wall. Mark my words, this is the last year that targeting is in the format that we see it now. It's not going away, but it will have it will have a major overhaul in the last uh, uh, next year. It's got to. I mean, it's got to. Yeah, it's that's completely 
completely irresponsible for them to implement a rule like that in that game. And, and, and at the end of the day, it didn't mean much, but still, except for the guy that got thrown out, it meant that, and you know, so that's, that didn't well, help any. You know, and the one, the the Indiana, I kept I kept looking at the wrong guy because I called you, and you're like, oh no no, he hit him in the head, so I didn't see that. But that I I say this, I don't say this lightly. That cost Indiana the game. Indiana was that was a third down play. That Indiana was about to get the ball back up fourteen to nothing, and they were going to be able to melt the clock away in going into halftime and either score or possess the ball, and it's going to be fourteen nothing. And instead, uh, who they play? Cincinnati goes down and scores. And I, mm-hmm. I know you can say, well, Cincinnati won by fourteen, and they did. But I promise you, that was their best defensive player. That would be like Will Anderson getting kicked out of the game in a pivotal moment where we had all the control going into halftime, and then all of a sudden at least a seven-point swing, if not a 14-point swing. But I, and I agree with the Auburn, the Auburn ejection. It's uh, Well, I don't want to say too much. We'll get into that later. Go ahead and finish out the, uh, the commentary. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was how dumb was Dabo Sweeney in that game. Uh, did you watch the end of the Clemson Georgia Tech game? No, Daryl was telling me a little bit about it. I just, but go ahead and explain for because I'm sure we have some of our loyal listeners didn't watch it either. So you know, Dabo is supposed to be the elite coach in one of the elite teams, blah blah blah, and certainly they're not playing that well. But Saturday, Georgia Tech is down eight. And I believe they have it first and goal going into uh, uh, Clemson's uh, end zone with about two minutes to go or less, something like that. Maybe even less than a minute. And it's first and goal. So they go four downs. They had fourth and goal from the two. And there's only like maybe 20 seconds, 25 seconds, something like that left to go on the clock. So they go forward on fourth down. They do not get it. They get stuffed. Clemson takes over on their own yard, yard and a half line, something like that, 20 seconds to go. Georgia Tech's used all their timeouts. They have no timeouts left. So this is a a snap, knee it, be done with it game. Dabo, and and I say knee it, I mean, it's close. I mean, you're there on your own one-yard line. I understand the logistics of taking a knee and maybe you're back in the end zone, but you could always just quarterback sneak it and, and, and kill the clock. Instead of doing the absolute, you know, smartest thing, which is a no-brainer for most every coach in the country, he lines up in shotgun and hands it to his running back, who immediately gets stuffed in the end zone for a safety, <laughs> cuts it to six, and now Georgia Tech actually has the ball with a chance to win. I, I, I was just, I was like, how is this? The elite coaching decision. That, that is the worst coaching call I've seen all year. And there's been a bunch of them. But that, yep. one, that one was terrible, uh, particularly coming from who's supposed to be the, by most people, the, the second best coach in the country. Yeah. I, 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 I'm lost there. Definitely lost. But I, I, I just want to glaze over that. I just thought I needed to get that off my chest. But one thing I was thinking about – over the weekend was here we are we're three games in which is effectively 25 percent of the season we're a quarter through the year in case you didn't know what 25 percent meant (laughs) um and so i wanted to revisit my playoff teams and 
in the preseason picks for the playoff teams, I had Bama, Georgia, Clemson, and Iowa State. You had – help me with what yours were. I had uh, Bama 1 versus Clemson 4. I had Ohio State 2 versus Oregon 3 in a rematch. And, well, yeah, I mean, that was yep. my 4. We won't yep. go any further than that. <clears throat> so, I, I, I decided to take a little exercise and go, okay, so three after a three-game sample size, who do I project to be in the playoffs now? And I had to kick out two of my teams. One of them has, or both, both the two I kicked out have losses. Now, one of them in particular, Clemson, could still get there, but I think they're out. So I kept Bama in Georgia. I think that's still legitimate mm-hmm. for sure. Iowa State lost at home to Iowa. Yes. So I'm replacing Iowa State with Iowa, actually. I think Iowa and Penn State. They play each other in that division. The winner of that division is going to have the inside track. I think Iowa has a better team than Penn State. Uh, I think they're, I think they're better than Penn State by a significant margin, actually. But nonetheless, I like Iowa there. And then I replace my Clemson pick with. Uh, it's not going to be a popular pick, but I replaced them with Cincinnati, and we just talked about them almost losing to uh indiana <laughs> wow but oh, i'm gonna tell <clears throat> i'm gonna tell you now this is a projection this is not who i think's the best team if i was putting the best teams in the playoff there might be four sec teams in there but just just hear me out here notre dame plays wisconsin this week the following week is when cincinnati catches them and so you, you're catching Notre Dame at a good time, and that's going to be a that's going to be a game you've got to win. I mean, so every game of their schedule is a must win. They've got to run the table. There's no doubt. But they got over the Indiana hump, which I mentioned in the preseason. Indiana's not a bad team. No, but, they're not. Uh, so they'll catch Notre Dame after Wisconsin. If they can, if they can win that game, I feel like there's going to be a lot of chaos on the rest of the teams out there. I mean, you've got – right now you're sitting – the third-ranked team in the country is – is it Oklahoma? Uh, it should be Oregon. Oh, it's Oregon. Okay, yeah. So, so Oregon, who lo- almost lost to Fresno State in the first game of the season. And if people looked at that halftime score – or the final score this past weekend, say, oh, they killed Stony Brook. Stony Brook was only down 17-7 to at half. That's correct. I said Stony Brook. <laughs> I uh, got 20 bucks that I'll Venmo you if you can tell me Stony Brook's mascot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> the bubbling the bubbling waters. I don't even know. You could have said anything and I'd have sent you 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> oh, I need it after this weekend. But, you know, after, after Oregon, you've got the Big 12 uh, participant right now who is Oklahoma. They had to stave off a last-second drive by Tulane two weeks ago who was driving to beat them, and then they only beat Nebraska by seven at home this past weekend, who's already lost to Illinois. We've already talked about Clemson's stellar coaching job, but they've already struggled with Georgia Tech. Oklahoma, or Ohio State, they didn't put Tulsa away till late, and both of those teams already have a loss. I think there's a lot of chaos that's going to be had in the other conferences, and this could be the year that you get a G5 in there because all the other conferences have at least one and possibly two losses just from within themselves. 
Well, I I applaud your pick. And what's his name? Uh, he blocked me on the Twitter. Uh, Tim Brando. He he he's he's giving you a standing ovation right now. I will say this, Tom. If Cincinnati makes it in over any P5 team with one loss, I, I'm probably done with watching college football. Oh, I don't like it. Trust it's, me, it's, I don't I like mean, it. And I'm they not don't deserve for to it. be there. They don't deserve to be mentioned. I will never have a G5, even when we go to 12 teams, I will never have a G5 in there. Let me give you my top four. I'm keeping Bama, and I'm keeping Bama at number one. And we'll discuss why, because some people might be out there saying, well, uh, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I do have Georgia, too. I have Oregon at three, which apparently wins don't matter to you. Oregon goes on the road and beats one of the wins at one of the tougher venues in college football. I'd say definitely top ten, possibly top five toughest places to win at the horseshoe. And then number four, I've got Penn State because I put stock into wins, and Penn State has beaten Wisconsin. They hit, which is a an upper echelon P5 team, in my opinion, in the Big Ten. And then they've beaten Auburn, which is not an upper echelon team in the SEC. But regardless, they're, they're a pretty good ball club. But Penn State's probably got the best two wins out there, I guess, right now. I'm trying to think. You know, Miami, <laughs> Miami kind of screwed Bama on, uh, on that quality win with losing to uh, – who did they lose to? Should have lost to App State. Yeah, and they then lost. got demolished by Michigan State. So uh, I've got Bama one, Georgia two, Oregon three, and Penn State four. And I just I, you're you're not gonna get me to put BYU in there. You're not gonna get me to put Cincinnati. If either one of those teams make it over a P five team with only one loss, it's just a travesty. It, it is it's peer pressure. It is everybody gets a trophy mentality. Cincinnati, like you said, here's what's funny is it, you make a compelling argument for Cincinnati. Okay, they played Indiana. Granted, they are a good football team, but in a, in a, few, in a world of uncertainties, one fact remains, Indiana is not Florida or Georgia or Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma's kind of struggling in college football. Maybe basketball, but not college football. And BYU, back to Cincinnati, they're going to play two games. They're going to play Indiana, and they're going to play Notre Dame. And that's it. Wow. Sign me up. for Let's, let's tra- let Bama trade schedules with Cincinnati. Right, sign <laughs> me up, bro. I mean, come on. Now, now I, I completely agree with your p- p- uh, position there. Don't Make no bones about it. I'm projecting who might get there. And that's that's where I land just because of the chaos. Because I think I think they're itching to put one in there. They just haven't been able to pull the trigger. And this this may be the year they do it. Well, fair enough. We're we're fourteen minutes in and uh, we're we're behind time. So let's start with a recap. The good news is I only I only could find two games worth of crap to talk about this upcoming weekend. And Bama Southern Miss, the only reason we're talking about that is because this is a Bama podcast. So let's recap Bama Florida. We had two solid games to talk about last week, and Bama Florida is the first one. And like I said, I listened to a lot of talk radio today on the drive, and I've got a few. I'm just I've got four or five bullet points. And I'm just going to kind of cover those, and then I'll let you respond, and then we can talk about the game kind of back and forth. Tom, when did beating the number 11 team on the road in the swamp become disappointing? It's not to me, brother. Well, I tell you what, to listen to – I listened to jocks today, and from 10 to 12 they have three-man front. 
to listen to the to the host there and listen to the callers. And then the first part of Fine Bomb, I'm like, oh my gosh, did we win? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I felt like we won the ball game. You know, I mean, do we need to work on some things? Absolutely. You know, luckily we don't have to win any trophies during September. The trophies are going to be won in December and January. So I'm not overly worried about it. One thing, well, let me, let me continue, then we'll talk We'll talk further. Uh, Florida fans, the, the Florida callers are even better. Paul, if we had 30 more seconds, we would have won. Paul, we won the last three quarters. If AR-15 would have been hurt, Paul. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to Bama fans' lives under Mike Shula. How many times did we win the first three quarters in the Mike Shula tenure and lose the fourth? How many times? Boy, if we just had one one more minute, Paul, we'd have won. I mean, come on, dude. You're Florida. You're a proud program. You've got the the third best coach or fourth best coach ever to coach in SEC and Steve Spurrier. Well, actually, they got the third and the fourth best coach to ever coach in SEC. Number one A is Paul Bright. Number one B is Nick Saban. Number three is Urban Meyer. And number four is Steve Spurrier. Ask mm-hmm. any Florida fan. And if they said, no, 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 Steve Spurrier, well, ask them who's got more national titles. Yep. It'd, be, uh, it'd be Urban Meyer. And the, uh, another great call by Florida fans, Paul, if we played them again, who do you like? Who do you like, Paul? You think, I mean, they're just dying for Feinbaum to say, oh, well, yeah, Florida. And and to, to Feinbaum's credit, he said, well, he said, you know, it's kind of hard to answer. Uh, now the teams look totally different down the road. He said, but if you do play them again, you won't be in the swamp. <laughs> and that's, that's a great point, you know. And I'm elated that we won on the road in that environment with a freshman quarterback. And I talked to, you know, I talked last week about, and I had this as a loss, you remember. And I was not trying to reverse jinx. I really felt it'd be a tough game. You got to think, if most of our team – I don't. I, I don't look at the breakdown, but you know, you have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and now you've got what they're calling super seniors. But ultimately, we've got around fifty some odd kids, plus or minus, that are freshmen or sophomores. Those fifty kids that went down to the swamp—that is the loudest crowd they have ever heard in their life with a uniform on. Now they might have gone in 2018, 2019, and getting recruited. They might have attended some big games and sat in the stands. But remember, last year. Half half the stands full, and the one of the fullest games was probably Atlanta, and that was fifty fifty Bama Florida. It does not get that loud with forty thousand fans, dude. That atmosphere, I've seen it on Twitter. They say it was just unreal how loud it was, and we took a freshman quarterback down there, who's probably played. If you look at his total snaps going into this year, he had probably played the equivalent of two to two and a half college games. And he's played two full college games, goes down there in week three, and orchestrates a win. Dude, I, I couldn't be happier. Agreed. Uh, <clears throat> this is probably and, – and and we won't know this until the season goes on, but this is either the second, third, or at absolute worst, fourth best team in the SEC. And if we were talking about – a uh, 12-team playoff, all of those teams would be in there, those top four, maybe even five teams. We have five legitimate teams in the SEC, I think, that could actually win a playoff game this year. 
Yeah. You know, you can put people in the playoffs all you want, but can you win a playoff game? I think we have at least four, possibly five teams that could win a playoff game, and one of those is Florida. And, you know, if if Florida and Georgia get together in the cocktail bowl here in a few weeks, wink, wink, uh, Georgia should consider losing that game. If Georgia loses that game, Georgia's in. Florida, if Florida gets the SEC championship game and plays Alabama again and wins that game, Florida's in. Does Alabama get in? Probably. Yes. Probably. We we get in over Cincinnati. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's crazy. But, you know – there, there's two interesting points that I want to mention on that game because I, I'm with you. It, it, there was a lot of, you know, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with – yeah, there, there's, there's some – definitely some defensive uh, holes and gaps that, that need to be filled as, as, as Florida run the ball really effectively. But I stand by the comment that we've made all year that this is one of the better defenses that we've had in a while. Mullen just had a perfect game plan. I think they got out coached Saturday on the field. I think my, uh, Florida's game plan on Saturday, particularly when we got on the heels, uh, we couldn't catch up to it. And that's something that I think can be corrected. It's not because we don't have talent over there because I think this talent is, is definitely there. And if you remember, after our first game with Miami, I don't know if you remember this or not, one thing that I we were talking about, you know, what could we do better after the Miami game? And I mentioned it. I said, you know, I think we, we need more explosiveness in the running game. Because mm-hmm. even though we moved the ball at will, we didn't – we didn't tear off big runs in the Miami game. And we followed that up by not tearing off any big runs against a, a weak Mercer team. And Florida defense kind of held us in check again on the running game. I I don't know that we've had a run over 20 or 25 yards this year. Can you remember one? Uh, seems like uh, 21 broke one against Mercer. But uh, but I know your point Maybe. stands. Yeah. So th- there's that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one that – I'm going to give you a pick-me-up for the Bama fans that are a little down on the game, okay? okay. So, we're up in that game 21-3. to And obviously, we lost some concentration there, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defense was still playing well there in the first, first half. And the offense lost their concentration for whatever reason whether it was the play calling, whether it was the players, whether it was the execution, whether it was a combination of all that, they lost their way there in the first half after being up 21-3. to And that's just, you know, hey, lackluster, ho-hum, we're fixing to walk away from this thing with a 50-point victory. All right, so they get stopped out, 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 I think three, three and outs in a row. First time that that's happened in a long, long time. Fast forward to the second half, all right? Believe it or not, and I did, I did, I had to look back at this twice today. Do you know how many times we got the ball in the second half? Three. Three times. One time in the third quarter. Yeah. We, and, and, and on those three times, we had like a 12 or 13 yard or 13 play drive for a touchdown. Another 10, 12, 13 play drive that ended up, with a field goal. And then the last time we got it, we were just trying to run clock and get out of there. Mm-hmm. So so the offense come back in the second half and said, all right, we're going to play. Unfortunately, 
the game was very similar to the SEC championship game in that Florida got the ball first in the second half, went down and scored, and made it a competitive game right out, right out of the gate. So we had to answer, which we did. Florida answered with a heck of a 99-yard drive, converted two third and longs. They, they converted a third and ten from their own one-yard line. That was the one that yeah, got them us. back into it. Yep. And uh, and then it had us on our heels. Defense was certainly tired. I mean, good lord, they had to haul Will Anderson off of there. But uh, but but you know they scored, brought it, and then we come right back down and answered again. Now we answered with a field goal due to a lot of penalties we had in that game too. You know we were down there fourth and one, going for it, which thank would have goodness. given us another touchdown. Thank yep. goodness we jumped off sides because dude, they, they were about to stuff that. Maybe, maybe. I was worried. I was watching the game with my buddy Mitch, and he asked me, he's like, what do you do here? I was like, I'd kick it. I said, you, you know, what? it's fourth and one. I know Saban likes to, if he's down there on the one, he likes to just power it over there because he has a lot of faith in the defense. If Even if they've been getting whipped all night, he's got a lot of faith in his defense that can keep them from, you know, running 99 yards for a touchdown, which they had already done. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but but he kicked it and that that got us up by eight and that was the difference. So but again, I think the the offense got out of their funk that they had in the last part of the first half, and they scored. I mean, they scored at will in the second half. They but they just didn't get the ball that many times. Yeah. Unfortunately, Florida scored at will as well, and that's something we got to clean up. But I. I like to think that we can clean up that defense much easier than we could if, as if Bryce Young went out there and threw four interceptions. I agree. And I was listening to uh, Rodney Orr, the, the guy that heads Tider Insider. He has a segment on, the, on Monday mornings around 10, 15, 10, on three-man front. And he made a point that I hadn't really thought of. He said, do you know how close Bryce Young was to throwing five touchdown passes Saturday? Oh, yeah. We had one because dropped. We had one absolutely dropped that we ended up running in. And the other but one was the stepped other one on was, the out-of-bounds line. Yeah, it was yeah. tipped. And I think I think without the tip, Latou, you know, judges his jump a little bit better and it gets to him quicker and he and he tiptoes the line. I mean, he could have had five touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of things and we'll move on to Auburn-Penn State. Another thing I picked up that made sense, I'm not going to try to to act like – listen, Florida had their way – with us in the at the line of scrimmage, that is concerning. I'm not I'm not whistling past the graveyard, and that oh, that I'm totally satisfied with the win. I'm ha- I'm happy. I'm elated. I've used that word. I'll use it again. I'm elated with the win. The if you're if you're under thirty and you're listening to this podcast, you do not understand how intimidating the swamp used to be. When Steve Spurrier roamed the sidelines, you did not win in the swamp. And it, it is one of the tougher places to play. But they one caller said that Emory Jones, everybody's wanting AR-15, you know, the and, and, is Andrew Richardson. I know his last name Richardson, and he's very dynamic. I've not seen him play, but, I mean, he's had two runs of like 75 yards for touchdown. He was injured, couldn't play. And Emory Jones had not looked great in the first two games. And one guy said, you know, he felt that Mullen was forcing Jones in an FAU game and then the USF game. He was forcing Jones to work on things that he struggled with. You know, we know he knows Emory Jones has good wheels and he can run the option, which is what they ran against us a lot. He was making him throw the ball more, 
because he knew he had to do that to win a game like Alabama. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And, I mean, how how long do you think Mullen worked on that game plan? You know, all summer. Oh, yeah. There's there's no – I mean, he had two cupcakes before this. And, yeah. You know, and, and AR, AR didn't play, but he did work out with the cheerleaders during most of the game. So I saw that, that he, he did, turned a backflip. was pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of – there's some there's some things Florida fans can point to and say if this would have happened differently, we could have won. But there's a huge one to me that we can point to and say if this happened differently, it's not even a game in the, after at halftime. It's fourth and three. We've already stopped them on one fourth down, and I think we went three and out. It's fourth and three from around the 40, and Mullen goes for it. Mm-hmm. And we're up 21 to three, and I'm like, dude, if they don't get this, like it's over. We're going to score, and it's over. And they don't get it except for a penalty. And I'm and it was a penalty. It was a penalty. We, we interfered with the guy. But the ball was so horribly thrown that the receiver's coming back, and we bump him. Because and ultimately the ball was not catchable, but they're not going to call that not catchable because it was in the general vicinity. Yeah, and how do you that call was, that too? I mean, that is the word. I don't know if it was the play call or the quarterback decision, but you need three yards on fourth down, and you rear back and just throw it as far as you can throw. Yeah, he threw. I mean, he threw a twenty-five <laughs> yard in the air pass. And lastly, before we move on, let me ask you this, Tom. The final score is 31-29. We stopped a two-point conversion to to preserve the, the win, and we got the kickoff and milked the clock out. And let me ask you, if the score let's, – let's say the scoring would have gone as follows. 7-0 Bama, 10-0 Bama, 10-7, 17 7 17-14, uh, 21 to – or what would we be? It would be – 24 to 14, and then uh, Florida scores and misses extra points. So 24 to 20, and then we get up 31 to 20, and they score a late touchdown or kick another field goal. You, you get my gist. Yep. The scoring's back and forth. Would you feel differently about the game than you do right now? Probably. You know, you would have a better feeling about, oh, it was just a hard-fought game. Yep. And, you know, we, we went out, we dominated the first quarter. I mean, 21-3, to 3, as impressive as the first quarters we've had, I guess, that we, which we did receive the opening kickoff. In, in a college game, in a P5 game, and I don't know, if we, did we get the turnover in the first quarter? Maybe we did. Yeah, in we a got, P5, was yeah. it first quarter? It was. I mean, in the SEC, seldom are you going to score four touchdowns in one quarter. And we scored three against the number 11 team in the country. And then kind of the like you said, offensively, we went haywire. And defensively, we couldn't stop anybody. And it, and it just – it left – the 31-29 left a sour taste in the fans' mouth. But I promise you, those players are happy. Nick Saban's happy on to Southern Miss this coming week. And then Ole Miss in two weeks. So, uh, that wraps up the, the Bama, Florida. Let's go to Auburn, Penn State. I'll let you start with that one. First off, that was a heck of an atmosphere over there. It really was. It was. It was. It was as loud or louder than the Alabama Florida game. I enjoyed watching just from a, a neutral, particularly since we won. <laughs> you know, there was a no pressure atmosphere for us, and and I enjoyed watching the game. It was loud, and they were into it, and I loved that. And I'll tell you this. We already knew this, and we and we pointed to it a couple of times. But that uh, that Bigsby runs hard. Yeah, he, he is a hard nose runner. And credit to, I don't know what it is. It, it, 
Auburn goes through coach after coach over the last, you know, 15 years or whatever, and they always seem to find that back who puts his head down and runs downhill and with no regard for self-preservation. And and he's one of them, and he's hard to tackle. Um, Nick's, Nick's will always be a liability to them. I, I don't care how many times they think that he – keeps him in the game or gets him there. He makes too many mistakes to win big games. He'll win one occasionally. Maybe, probably, maybe not. But it won't be because of his consistency. No. And uh, and I think we mentioned this beforehand. Penn State is not a flashy offense in, in their game against Wisconsin and their game, I, I forget who they played second game of the year. And then, then also this game, they're not going to sit there and throw for 450 yards. And they're also not going to run for 350 yards. They're just going to balance it out. They're going to take what you can give them. They're going to throw short all night long. They're not going to go for mm-hmm. the home run ball. They're going to throw underneath all night long. And they're going to run, and they're going to get three and a half yards, and they're going to be happy about it. <laughs> and that's I mean, that's just what their offense is. And, and you look up at the end of the night, and, heck, they scored 28. Bama only scored 31. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Penn State was not flashy at all. And their defense – I think we talked about that last week, too. Who would win, the Penn State defense or the Auburn running game? And I would say, based on just score alone, that Penn State come out on top. But Auburn had good run success. I mean, they run for 180, 190 yards, whatever it was. That's, that's a that's – a, or maybe it was more than that. Uh, I don't I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm going to pull they, it up right now because there's something I want to look at. Now, if I can find it quickly enough, yeah. I'll, we'll go over it. But they, but they had them well, well under their average. Of course, it was easily inflated versus the first two games that Auburn had. But I, I think Penn State did enough on defense to make Auburn not score easily and not just get run rough shot. I mean, Auburn would run off seven, eight, ten-yard carries, but they didn't run off 40- and 50-yard carries. And I think that's a, that's a big key when you play them. You make them work for it all the way down because eventually Nix is going to have to do something with it. And he's he's not going to be the guy that gets it done. So I thought it was a great game. I love to see it. Auburn's not a bad team. I if we had to re redo our quarterly projections, I may not have Auburn in the cellar. I might just one game sample size because that's the only game they played. But I may not. They look good. They look better than I thought they would on Saturday. Yeah, they did. Uh, they rushed for 182 yards. And the stat I was wanting to look up. And, it, and it, I did have this as one of my bullet points, is about Knicks being a liability. Auburn goes down 21-10 to 10 with 13.06. So uh, Penn State comes out, and uh, they get the ball coming out of halftime, and they march right down the field. It took them a minute, 54 seconds. They score with 13.06 left in the third quarter to go up 21-10. to 10. Well, at that point, Auburn is two, a, a solid two scores down, and, you know, two touchdowns, like an extra uh, – I mean, they'd have to go for two and then kick a field goal to tie it up. So they're two touchdowns down, essentially. And they score. They do. They, it, they go – I don't know how many plays does it say right here. But – when they score their touchdown, there's 5:52 left on the clock. So you can do the math. 13:06 minus let's just say 13 minus six. That's a seven-minute drive, which tells me, and I remember it. They just they ran the ball. They ran, ran, ran. They could not trust Nick's down 11. They could not trust Nick's to get them back in there quickly. And luckily, they had time. They could run the ball, 
But that goes back to what you said is is Nick's – I think I've said it before. He's going to throw two or three passes in a, every game that's just like, dang, that was a great pass. And he had a couple. But then he's going to throw two or three that are horrible – and then the rest of them will be somewhere in between in between those the the, the two extremes. Mm-hmm. But the refs, oh my gosh, we took we took an SEC crew up there, and I think that stems back from the '80s when they called Preston Gothard out out of bounds on that catch. I think it was '82, '83, and he was clearly in bounds. Yeah. And after that, I think both teams, at least according to my dad, both teams agreed, hey, we'll continue playing, but when we come to you, we're bringing our refs. When y'all come to us, you bring your refs. So we took an ACC crew up there. They had a, There was a terrible spot. I, tw- I text out, I don't know if it was to the group or just to Daryl or who, but I'm like, that's the worst spot in the history of college organized college football. It, luckily, it was third down, so I, and I so they were going to have a chance to get it on fourth. But they the replay booth changed it. But I mean, the guy reaches out and then pulls it back, which is legal to do. Yeah, and they mark it a solid yard short. I'm like, what are y'all seeing? Mm-hmm. Punt. They punted on third down. <laughs> I mean, that is in, inexcusable. And I was sitting there, I was watching it, and like you said, the pressure was off. I, you know, I wanted absolutely wanted Penn State to win. But they got the grounding call, and it was first and 10. They got a grounding, so second and 16. And then the next thing I know, they were on one play. They gained five yards, makes it third and 11, but it, they made it fourth and 11. I'm like, well, crap, what? did I miss a play? But I didn't make a big – this is me and Misty here. I didn't make a big deal out of it. Where I, I feel like if it, if it would have been all the guys, I'm like, dude, they just missed – they missed that, you know. Mm-hmm. And we come back from commercial, and Herb Street said, I think Penn State just put it on third down. I'm like, dang, I knew that, that was weird. So, and then, what about Bo Nix? How many times can he ground the ball and never get called? Oh, I know. He's not outside the tackle box. The refs did all they could to keep Auburn in the game and win the game, and they still lost. I love it. But, and let's see. Um, that's about it. No, well, come well, on. You're on a roll. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got one more thing. <laughs> I've got one more thing that, that ties into – Auburn and Florida. Okay, it's just funny. It's damned if you do, or it's not even damned if you do, damned if you don't. It is whatever play you call better work. Okay, so let's go to Auburn, fourth and two inside the five. They could technically get a first down, but it was probably inside the one. But fourth and two, and they call a they call a a, a fade or mm-hmm. what? Yeah, a corner, whatever. And it was like a timing route, and the, the receiver stopped short. It fell harmlessly out of bounds. And everybody's like, why don't you give it to Tank Bigsby? You got the best player, you know, best running back on the field, and you don't hand it to him at fourth and two. Okay, go back to Florida's two-point conversion. And they – what two-point conversion? Is it two and a half or three yards off three. the goal line? Three. Yeah. So, three yards off the goal line, they run the ball, and they don't get it. Why is he running the ball? He should pass it. So, it just, oh, I, found yeah. that, I found that funny that, you know, basically whatever play you call it from the three-yard line, you, you better it better work or you're going to get second guess. But it was good. I, I made a prediction on the website last week that if Auburn won this game, they would win the Iron Bowl. I fully believe that. So, thank goodness they got their loss. And uh, but it sucks that they won the national title in 2010, Tom, because if they had not won the national title in 2010, you know what I would say right now? I would say 
AUB 1957, <laughs> safe for another year. <laughs> we run that one into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the worst thing about them one in 2010 is, is we got to, we had to quit making fun of their phone number. So uh, anything else you want to add on Auburn, Penn State? No, no. I'm just so excited to get into Bama and Southern Miss. Yeah, boy. It's, I'll, <laughs> listen, I'm going to let you start, and I might even let you finish. Wow. I don't, I don't know what I want to say about this one. No, this, this is going to be very quick and sweet. Bama opened up as a 45-point favorite, 46, something like that. Uh, and you you know Saban is, is going to have some, uh, I guess, a, a work day on this game. Uh, they're they're going to try to clean up tackling. They're going to try to make sure they're in the correct defensive positions. There will be a lot of fundamentals going on in this game, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, particularly from the defensive side of the ball, getting in the right position, staying in the right position, making the right calls. I think there was a lot of, a lot of miscommunication back there uh, this past Saturday they'll try to clean up. Uh, the number one key for this game, in my opinion, not from a coach's opinion, because Saban, Saban plays with the guys he got, and he's going to play them that way. But from from my opinion, don't get anyone hurt. You know, that's your, that's your big thing for this weekend. And hopefully we can get Tyson and, and Milrow in there to do some, uh, uh, some quarterbacking, try to get them some experience. Because even in Mercer, I don't think they got a, a enough experience, either one of them, to – to, to really put some chips in their purses. So that's what I'm looking for this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, same. I just – here's one one stat that I heard today, and I assume – I'm not going to fact check them. I assume it's correct. We played 38 players on offense and defense this past Saturday. That is extremely low. It was like 18 on offense, 20 on defense, or vice versa. But – entirely too few people especially on defense to me on defense you're you're starting 22 should get some minutes in my opinion especially when the the amount of snaps we played and the amount of time we're on the field you know we need that number this weekend to be in the 60s we need a ton of people playing we need to get all four running backs some some carries and then get our three quarterbacks some work because I, i really think we're torn on you know, if Bryce, if you could, if you knew Bryce was going to stay healthy all year, we got no worries. But dude, if he goes down, we do not have the luxury that we had with Mac Jones two years ago. You know, granted he did go down to Auburn and lose, but you know he was a he was a good quarterback. You know, he started, he played halftime Mississippi State, started the the cupcake game, and then played at Auburn, played really well, and then. Um, and then beat Michigan in the bowl game. I don't think Tyson can do that right now, and I don't think Milrow can. It'd be interesting to see who we would go with if forced for long term, because I think Milrow definitely has the upside. But we should win this handily. I think what I want to see is we've got to get our best five offensive linemen out there. And I, Neutron is texting me during the game. He's like, "So so and so's gosh awful," and I'm like. He said, did you see that? I'm like, dude, I'm a ball watcher. You know this. I, I watch when the ball is snapped, I watch the quarterback. And when the quarterback hands it off, I watch the running back or whatever. <laughs> I don't watch the intricacies of the uh, the offensive line. But I, I do know 79 has not had the best year. He's, heck, he filled in at center last year when Dickerson went out. Now we're asking him to play right tackle. So maybe it's just not a fit for him. I think we got to get the best five on the field. We've got to get them to gel, and we've got to get more. We didn't even have 100 yards rushing against Florida, and Florida's defense was awful last year. Yep. I, you can't convince me that they've gotten that much better. So 
But it's sad that Southern Miss has fallen on hard times. You know, there was a time back in the late 80s they beat Florida yeah, been, State. There was a time back in the late 80s that Brett Favre would be pissing on the barroom tables yeah. <laughs> after a game. The funniest was, I don't remember who they beat first, but one year, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Alabama and Auburn. And let's just say they beat us first. Auburn fans poking fun, and they turn around and beat Auburn oh, yeah. or vice versa. But, you know, they, they had some good teams. They Even did. when they weren't great, I mean, it was a, it was a hard fault. You know, at halftime it would be tight, and then Bama's depth would pull away, and it's just they're they're pathetic now. I don't know what's happened. But the second game we're going to look at is is probably the premier game, or definitely the premier game in the SEC this week. And who would have ever thought that? Because you know who else plays in the SEC this week is Florida, Tennessee, and dude, that used to be can't miss TV. Mm-hmm. Like that game decided the East every year because Georgia was an afterthought under Mark Richt, and they're just they're who like who cares? Kind of like Florida State Miami. Like I couldn't tell you when they play this year, and that used to I I used to watch that game over any game, and the same with Florida Tennessee. You know if Bama perfect example twenty years ago Bama's playing Southern Miss and Florida's playing Tennessee. I'm gonna the main TV is gonna be on Florida Tennessee, and I'm gonna keep up with that much more so than I would the Bama game. But this week's premier game, 2.30 CBS kickoff, is A&M and Arkansas at Dallas. Uh, you know, what shaped up to be a mismatch, in my opinion, in July is now looking like a very even contest with Texas A&M's quarterback going out. They're going to be starting Calzada. Uh, A&M has had Arkansas's number. There's been some times where Arkansas probably should have won and they just couldn't do it. I Arkansas's underdogs by five or so, and uh, I've got them. I've got them covering. I've got them winning outright. Wrong team favored. I think stability at quarterback is going to be the key, along with that strong running game that they displayed in Texas in the Texas game. I would not doubt that pick one iota. You know, Arkansas big on Arkansas this year, and and so far so good. They've been killing it. Now, in my preseason predictions, I had Arkansas starting this year out three and zero, which they are. But then I have them promptly losing three in a row. And and this this is the pivotal game to, to see whether or not that's true or not because right now they have A&M this weekend and then they go to Georgia and to Ole Miss. I'm looking like a genius right now, except for the A&M game. It's a toss-up game in my opinion. I, th- I, I, I agree with you that uh, Arkansas probably gets this number because – it is five because I personally I would have this game at close to a pick. I, you know, outside of the Cupcake City games, A and M's beat Colorado ten to seven, and Arkansas's crushed Texas. <laughs> the, the, those are your two comparison games, and then, mm-hmm. and then they played nobody's the rest of the time. So I think this is going to be an ugly game offensively on Saturday because A and M, as poorly as their quarterback play has been particularly since the injury to their uh to their starter what was his name hayes or something i, f- I forget who i mean he was a first year starter too yeah he, yeah. he was a, he was a big time recruit too mm-hmm. but uh but since the end they, they had suspect quarterback play but quarterback play or not their defense has been solid it has yeah. been really solid you know colorado only scored seven and they did similar things to the other uh, the weaker teams on their schedule. So, anyway, I think it'll be a, an ugly defensive game. And when you get into an ugly defensive game, 
anybody can win that game. You, you make one or two plays on offense is going to be the difference. The, the, this game is likely to look back and go, man, if that play would have went different or this play would have went different, the game outcome is, is completely different. And that's what I expect Saturday. I, I, I still like a, A&M to win this game, but uh, I think it could go either way. So you're saying that the losing team's fans are going to turn into Florida fans on Sunday. (laughs) Get ready, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, back and we'll close out this game. I'm going to say preseason A&M would have been favored by 12 to 14 in this game. And and I think five, five, five and a half. I think it's five and a half is what it is. I think that's the correct number. So – Recapping the bets from last week, I thought I had gone one and one, but I actually went two and zero. Oh. I changed my pick at the last minute from Auburn at plus six and a half to over Ole Miss to Lane. I guessed it was seventy three or so. They scored in the eighties. I, I know that went over, and then I had Florida at plus fifteen and a half. Easy winner, easy money there, cashed in. Tom, you went one zero oh and one, correct? Yes, second second time this year I've went one zero oh and one. I refuse to lose. Although I did lose last week, one although you don't refuse to tie, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> refuse to tie. Yeah, I had I had the under in the Alabama game, which landed evenly square on sixty, uh, and I had Stanford, which was the sucker bet that I was afraid to take, but I just thought they were way too good for Vanderbilt. Turns out they were way too good for Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, so they they really hammered them. So so Stanford was an easy win, and and Bama under was was the push. Um, and really after the I mean 24 points in the first quarter you'll take a push at 60 <laughs> you oh know? yeah good I mean, lord you, you almost got half in the first quarter yeah exactly so uh, alright so give us let's get two winners let's give somebody let's give everybody all our listeners a 4-0 start to the weekend what's your first game for this upcoming week yeah and and, and the listeners that that four game parlay that Tiffin called out last week with those those four plays that paid brother <laughs> that's a, oh, that yeah. was that was a winner um so this week i am there there's a lot of people that will continue to bet teams who look poor because they think they're good and they'll eventually turn it around and I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm going to take North Carolina State, who, yes, who lost to Mississippi State, and they're only catching 10 versus Clemson. But Clemson has showed me nothing. They've got name recognition, and people are thinking they're going to turn it around anytime now. But I like North Carolina State in this game. North Carolina State actually has some good defensive players out there and if they can put it together it apparently doesn't take much to slow down clemson so i i like them with the points maybe even outright upset yeah i I fell into that trap with oklahoma but i know they're gonna turn it around i know they're gonna turn around (laughs) narrator they did not turn it around (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh, and, you know, if you're Clemson, well, I was going to mention this earlier when you talked about them, about Dabo's snafu on the, the game management. Clemson's played three games so far. They've scored three in one game and 14 in another. That, that's poor. Yep. All right, well, I am going to go against conventional wisdom, and I'm, I'm going to say this team is going to turn it around. They've got to win. They can't go 0-12, Tom. I've got Florida State at home catching two and a half against Louisville. So put me down – 
for Norv Turner getting his first win this year. Wrong <laughs> team favored Florida State. Take them on a money line. You'll get paid about plus 135. Not terrible. One of the things that I looked at really hard, and I'm not going to take it, was the LSU and Mississippi State game. That is going to be a game that tells us a lot about the direction of both of those schools. This first SEC team game for either one of them, I believe, LSU on the road. LSU was my, what, they were my second to last place team in the West. They, had, they were your second. second place team. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need the Tigers to win this weekend. <laughs> so keep an eye on that. That's not where I'm going. I'm going uh, I'm going the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers over Notre Dame, minus five and a half. Notre Dame is sitting there still undefeated, but barely. And they they come in here as a dog. They're not a dog in that game all preseason, but three games in, now they are. And I I like Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's just flat out got a better team. Wisconsin's only loss is to Penn State, who we think is pretty good. I think they'll play hard-nosed defense, and Notre Dame has struggled moving the ball this year. And this this will be a game that I think Wisconsin can win fairly easily, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't dislike that pick at all. I just I, I stay away from Notre Dame. I, I can I can bet with them I lose. I can bet against them I lose. So they're kind of a, a do not bet team. But you know, if they lose, that's gonna be three of the four playoff participants from last year all having a loss before the end of September. That I doubt that has happened. Uh, my last game, I'm going to take – I've got Arkansas down. That's just going to be the bonus pick. That does not count for me or against me. But I've got Tennessee plus 20 and a half at Florida. I think Florida is patting themselves on the back for the the moral victory they've got. They're going to be asking what if up until Wednesday afternoon. They're going to take Tennessee lightly. Tennessee has some athletes. I'm going to say they put just enough together. I'm seeing 38 to 20. That'll be within the number. That'll get you plus 20 and a half. So our pick, official picks on the line, this is going to be a four-star. We, we cannot have the five-star lock yet. It's too early in the year. Four-star, four-game parlay, NC State plus 10, Florida State plus two and a half, Wisconsin minus five and a hook, and Tennessee plus 20 and a half. Bank it. You get your bookie that'll pay you at least 10 to one on a four-game parlay. Nice. Now, I want to ask you a question because – this is uh, next week when I ask this question, the lines will already be out. All right, so Alabama has Southern Miss this weekend, 46-point favorites. The week after, we host Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has been on absolute tear. Offensively, they've been unstoppable. They took the team to Lane that, that had a last-second drive to try to beat Oklahoma. They just took them out behind the proverbial woodshed this weekend. They are off this week, so they're scheming for two weeks. Lane Kiffin is scheming for two weeks to uh, play We know Nick he's Saban. scheming, but what's he doing on the football field? Well, that's those are two. I would have said freshwater if I was thinking it was <laughs> off the field. So, but so my question to you is: Let's assume we beat Southern Miss by the number. Let's assume it's uh, fifty-two to seven, forty-five okay. point win. Yeah. What's the line next week? I'm gonna say seventeen. Seventeen. It's a big number. 
it is a big number, and I think it's too. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what it should be. No, I, based, I, I asked you know, you what I thought the line would be. But okay. based on what do you? What do you? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna throw 17 out there. Are you going higher or lower than that? Higher. Yeah, and and if you're listening to this and you don't bet, you're like, what? These guys are crazy. No, no, Vegas is crazy because we go to we go to Florida at the number 11 team in the country. We're favored by 15. It closes at 15 and a half, or what closes. 14 and a half, whatever, two touchdowns. So there's no way you're going to let Ole Miss come into Tuscaloosa and not be favored at least that much. I just, I don't see it. You know, unless we have a a crazy injury on defense or offense, it's going to be 17 or higher. And I think that's way too high. But, uh, but I'm thinking 18 to 20. Yeah. So we're in agreement there. That's that's good. That's good. Simpatico. All right, Tom, That we are right at, at time. Perfect timing here, the old 55-minute sweet spot we've been after. And we're going to close it out here. Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early, and you got to hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Junior is great.